0: Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted and privileged to welcome a very senior and accomplished person from the world of education, entrepreneurship, sustainability from Philadelphia, USA, Dr. Barry E. Litsky. Barry, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, Dr. Litsky is an Associate Professor of Entrepreneurship at the Drexel University's Charles D. Close School of Entrepreneurship. Uh, She has developed and taught courses in Social Entrepreneurship and Sustainability, Resilience and Failure and Mindfulness. She's the immediate past President of the International Association for Business and Society. And she's a former board member of the Sustainable Business Network of Greater Philadelphia. My goodness, what a lot of achievements. So uh, Barry, tell me about your own journey in brief before we get into any other topic.
1: Sure. Um, So I guess I'll start with um, shortly after college, I was working, um, I was hired as a secretary, which was the words that were still used. I I don't feel that old, but those were the Mm -hmm. words that were still used. Mm -hmm. And um, eventually landed my way into corporate training.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, And I really liked being in the classroom. And when I finished my MBA, I started teaching as a part-time faculty at, at a university, and that's what prompted me to go back to get my doctorate, mm-hmm. which I completed in 2002, and I've been teaching. I was at um, Penn State for 18 years. Actually, I got my doctorate at, at Drexel at the College of Business, mm-hmm. Laveau College of Business, and I taught for Penn State for 18 years, and now I'm back at Drexel in at the School of Entrepreneurship.
0: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. So, you know, you are a strong advocate for the triple bottom line, which is economic, environmental, and social approach to measuring success. Help me understand this and give me a few examples if you can.
1: Sure. Um, So I guess I I came around to this uh, concept of triple bottom line, probably later than some, some folks, because I came through, I was teaching business ethics in a in a college of business and um in business ethics um there were lots of uh there's lots of literature on corporate social responsibility and corporate Mm. social performance Mm. and this idea of sustainability kind of came into that literature a little Mm. bit later Mm and um in in 1994 a man by the name of john elkington coined the phrase triple bottom line people profit planet Mm-hmm. Um, he's later, he's later said we should rethink that terminology, but um, I feel like it's a perfect way mm-hmm. to um, use the marketplace as a, a, a way to create jobs, you know, make money,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, be entrepreneurial and solve issues mm-hmm. and address issues, um, so- social and environmental issues all at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, so that's basically what it is.
0: Okay. So, let's talk a little bit about social entrepreneurship. Let me start by asking you a very basic question for all my viewers and listeners. What is the difference between social entrepreneurship and for-profit entrepreneurship?
1: That's a great question because social entrepreneurship has traditionally been thought of as nonprofits only. Correct. And really, it's it's social entrepreneurship in some circles, is still considered nonprofit, but as as you probably can appreciate, academics can spend twenty years defining a construct in the literature, mm-hmm. and so um, basically, kind of an agreed upon definition of social entrepreneurship is a, is a business that is a, is an entity that uses business or the marketplace to make social and environmental changes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a, a social venture. Can also be a for-profit venture, hmm. and that's where the triple bottom line comes in—the hmm. the people, profit, planet. So, hmm. um, you know, in at least I know in the U.S. Um, and probably globally, the the idea of working for a nonprofit or an NGO, hmm. um, individuals that go to work for those typically think, well, I'm not going to be paid as much as I would be paid, you know, in the in the business arena and the in the world of of uh, corporations. And that's changing also Mm -hmm. because, um, all organizations are trying to attract, attract top talent, Mm -hmm. whether they are sole focused on an economic bottom line or on a triple bottom line. And, and, Mm -hmm. and really if they're concerned about triple bottom line, then they're going to be paying their, their employees a a good wage, a living wage, um, and above in order to attract and retain. So, Mm -hmm. um, so the lines have blurred, I guess, is the answer to your question. But uh,
0: Barry, I'm, 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 I also did not know that a social entrepreneur uh, or social entrepreneurship project could be for profit. Oh, uh, absolutely. Can, can you give me some example of uh, any. Such sure. An so,
1: I mean, I would have colleagues that would disagree with me, but I would say, I I, I tend to think of social entrepreneurship as any entity, any individual or entity mm-hmm. that. Uses the triple bottom line to measure success, mm-hmm. and so a famous example, a large example of that is Patagonia, um, which is a, a global entity, a retail uh, operation. Yeah. And uh, the founders, it was family owned. Mm. The founders, who are now in their 80s, um, decided recently. First of all, they they've um, always given back in terms of the way that they treat their employees, the mm. communities in which they work. They are by nature an outdoor recreation apparel company.
2: Correct.
1: And so they use, um, their whole supply chain is sustainable. Um, and recently they sold, mm. the family sold, and they, the, they sold basically to a trust mm. that is, all profits will go into making the earth, replenishing, replenishing the earth. And wow. so they're the controlling. The controlling, both the voting stock and the non-voting stock are mm. going into entities that are um, based on all the profits will go to saving the earth. Amazing. Um, Amazing. That's yeah. a great example. Mm,
0: yeah, and you, you're um, so and right. I mean, I remember reading about Patagonia, and I was wondering what was yeah. their motivation. But thank you for telling me about it today. So uh, my next question to you is that you know, since you are uh, a professor of entrepreneurship. What in your opinion are some of the important qualities uh, a startup entrepreneur should have?
1: A startup entrepreneur has to have a vision Mm. and they need to stick to their vision and articulate Mm. their vision and tell everybody that they encounter what their vision is. Mm. Um, They need to be able to because they need to be, their passion, an entrepreneur's passion is what's going to drive people to, uh, you know, is going to attract people to their cause, or their company. Mm. Um, And so I think number one is passion. Number two is resilience. Mm. Because at every, you know, every decision, there's always different paths to go. And some Mm. paths aren't the right path. And so doors get closed, and you have to kind of back up and go down a different path.
2: Mm. So
1: resilience is a a huge factor. and, And so is optimism. Mm. So knowing that, believing in what you do, knowing that you're going to get your vision across, that you're going to be able to either create the product and service that you want or make the change in the world that you mm. want, um, because people will, because you believe enough in mm. in the vision and because you believe enough in, in people supporting the vision. So mm. I think those are really Thank
0: important. You. Thank you. Great response. And, you know, the other challenge that I've often seen with entrepreneurs, and I've been an entrepreneur myself, is, uh, you know, that it is said one out of 10 startups make it. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you based on your interaction with so many entrepreneurs, what are some of the basic mistakes a lot of social entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs make?
1: Leadership uh, leadership team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So entrepreneurs are very much almost if you're starting a business, um, the business is like having a baby. Right. Mm -hmm. And so this is my baby Mm -hmm. and I know how to raise my baby. I know how to feed my baby. I know how to take care of my baby. Mm -hmm. And you, you know, you might love my baby, but it's not yours. Mm -hmm. And so um, not being able to give up control. A little bit of control to part of you know to, if you're building a team the reason you're building a team is because you need other people to help you mm-hmm. right and um some of the i think i think getting along with people is difficult
2: mm-hmm.
1: um learning how to be a team leader is difficult mm-hmm. and collaboration doesn't necessarily come naturally people mm-hmm. have to learn how to do it and need to and mostly for entrepreneurs you know uh, uh, good entrepreneurs and good leaders will listen to a team when they say you're going down the wrong path. Mm. Mm. Um, if if the entrepreneur thinks they have all the answers, then they're probably not going to succeed beyond you know a, a certain degree because they can't do it alone. Mm. No one can do anything alone, really. Right. And um, if you trust your people and the people mm. that you're, you know, the people you've surrounded yourself with. You, you need to rely on them you need to listen to them
2: mm.
1: um it's it's kind of like you hire you hire experts in a field and you get their opinion and then you mm. don't listen to them well, so i think that's that's probably the major a major mm. reason and also obviously funding or lack of funding mm. um is another reason timing is another reason mm. um in, in my own life, I tried to bring, um, sustainability into, um, the academic programming Mm. when I was at Penn state, Mm. um, and firmly believed that it needed to be there and it needed to be in the college of business and it needed Mm. to sort of be a thread throughout all of the, all of the functional areas of business. And that was around 2012. And, and, um, the world wasn't ready for it yet. I mean, Europe was already doing it, but but in the U.S., business schools weren't doing it, mm-hmm. um, and so the timing was off. And so mm-hmm. I didn't get the success that I wanted. Mm-hmm. I was fortunate in that the dean of the of the close school of entrepreneurship saw the vision and was able to bring me in and and have me do that. Um, Kind of programming where mm. I am now, mm. and so it was about ten. I was about ten years too early, early yep. for for people to understand the need in the marketplace.
0: Mm-hmm. Well said. Uh, one more question on entrepreneurship, and then we'll move to sustainability. You mentioned uh, one of the reasons uh, entrepreneurs could fail is because of funding. Yes.
2: The,
0: the The million dollar question that has often been asked is that should a startup entrepreneur bootstrap as long as possible or should they raise money whenever it's available i'd love to get your thoughts
1: i mean i think bootstrapping because when you raise money then mm. you're giving away part of your part Shares, of your business equity, typically
2: yeah. you're mm.
1: sharing the equity so bootstrap as long as possible mm. um and that that would be my answer i i don't know um the vcs might disagree with me <laughs> no, uh, but okay. you know a lot of you know we we tend to think of entrepreneurs as these you know big big names you know large ventures mm. high tech um global operations but entrepreneurship happens every day in a lot oh. of different ways and oh, it right. also happens so much in the local economy mm. um and so if you're any and and, and pretty much you have to start small, right? So mm-hmm. at, no matter where you're going, you have to start small. So mm-hmm. the longer you can hold on to all of the ownership, and with the exception, maybe of the team that you're building,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and using your own money, yeah, uh, or the money of family and friends, mm-hmm. the better, I think you'll be in the long run.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you. So let, let's now move Barry uh, to sustainability. Um, okay. And, as you just mentioned a few minutes ago, that you've been talking of sustainability for a long time. Um, and I must say that uh, that was uh, quite a vision or visionary kind of a move that you made. But my first question is that how seriously is sustainability being taken in the boardrooms?
1: Much more seriously today than ever before, okay. Um. Sustainability in the, in the modern vernacular sort of corporate vernacular is thought of as ESG, Mm. which is environmental, social and governance uh, metrics. And, um, those are being taken quite seriously Mm. globally because consumers and employees markets are now demanding it Mm. and, um, there, because of certain market failures, more, you know, recent market failures, particularly 2008 Mm. um, companies, uh, uh, financial services companies and investment companies and banks Mm. started to say, maybe we need to pay attention to this, Mm. this idea of ESG. And once the people with the money start to say it's important, um, I, I have seen, I feel that the the rest of the world kind of follows. Not everyone. There are a hmm. lot of skeptics. There are a lot of people who believe that ESG and and measuring ESG and and um trying to balance those, you know, trying to be transparent and accountable on the governance side, trying to be sustainable in the people and, and planet side, um, are just ways of taking profits out of the the hands of the owners or the shareholders. Hmm. Hmm. Um but that's a really short-term view, and a long-term view is, you know, much different. Mm. Mm. So I think I think you know this is a really good time. I tell my students this is a great time to be involved in businesses and starting businesses mm. um, that and supporting workers and supporting environmental causes um, that are they are passionate about because. Finally, I feel that people are listening. And I just wanted to say, I you know, I've been talking about sustainability for about 20 or 25 years,
2: mm. but
1: I as the saying goes, I stand on the shoulders of giants. And um, the movement really started in the 1950s
2: um,
1: f- from the environmentalist side. And in the business side, really, sustainability and social responsibility um, was started being written about by... A lot of um, uh, people that were sociologists, um, uh, political economists, economists, mm-hmm. and um, and so it's really it's a it's a field that's very interdisciplinary as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting, and uh, I'd love to get your thoughts on the 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 seventeen SDGs also. Well, what is really happening with them? Because on the one side, everyone's talking about the SDGs, mm-hmm. but on the other side, people are saying that they are so a Broad and high level, that mm-hmm. they seem to be missing um, mm-hmm. a lot of what people should be doing. Mm-hmm.
1: I think, I think it's fractured, right? So governments have the ability to allocate funding to projects that will address the SDGs at a very high, broad level. Correct. Um, companies with capital with with money have the ability to. Address the SDGs in a very tactical way, based on the industries that they're in, mm. um, and then at the local level, whether or not the measures are there. Mm. You know, we see at the local level that are co- companies that are you know treating workers fairly, fairly that are um, hiring formerly incarcerated individuals, that are paying mm. a living wage, um, that are working in in consideration of the environment and, Mm. and not, you know, uh, taking just advantage of the environment. So Mm. I think that all of those things are building up to Mm. help to achieve those goals, but it's, it's, it's a huge phenomenon and it's very difficult to measure. And, you know, the local kind of the local efforts aren't necessarily being rolled up into what the UN is, is counting, Mm. but, um, but they're there and they're happening.
0: Mm. That's it. Uh, there's another aspect of sustainability, which on a very macro level I've been discussing with many people, and some people have a view that a very ambitious GDP target for a nation uh, contradicts a sustainability strategy. Yeah, um, and you know this has been going on for years when people say that uh, the developed world cut down all their forests to for their own. Uh, uh, economic growth, and now they're telling the rest of the world not to cut the forest and so on, and so forth. Right. I your perspective on how does GDP impact sustainability? Well, it impacts it
1: probably negatively in, in most instances. But there are also individuals that are talking about measuring success mm-hmm. in different terms than GDP. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, there's a a measure called uh, happy the World Happiness Index. Correct. And there's an there's a also there's a Social Progress Initiative, mm. um, which measures the the progress of society based on triple bottom line mm. ideas. So looking at things like poverty. Or literacy, mm-hmm. um, or you know, degrade environmental degradation, along with mm-hmm. um, economic development and profitability, mm-hmm. and that so GDP is just one measure, and maybe its time has come,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and that we need to be looking at at a nation's um, output in many in in a, in a multifaceted way.
0: Mm-hmm. Well said. So uh, Barry, you have time for two more questions. Okay. Uh, my next question is on the young generation, the Millennials and the Gen Z's. I'm from the boomers generation. Um, and I've always said that the young leaders who are coming in are bringing in a f- breath of fresh air, especially when it comes to sustainability, because my generation people seem to have messed up our earth. Uh, I want to get your perspective because you work with so many students what are the thoughts of the millennials the gen z uh, leaders and young people on the subject of sustainability
1: most of them don't see a distinction between sustainability and profitability okay. they see they just see it as a must do well, okay um i see young people all the time who have ideas around how they're going to make a living, Mm -hmm. how they're going to make an impact. And a lot of those ideas are for-profit businesses that are Mm. solving some type of a problem, Mm. some type of a social or environmental problem. Mm. Um, they're angry. Gen Zers are angry. They're angry about, um, the extent to which the climate has been degraded, you know, by, or degraded by their, by our generation and Mm -hmm. the generation before us. Mm. And, um, and they're also in. Uh, there's a huge politically active Gen Z movement here in the United States, mm. um, and I'm not. A, I I don't know because I haven't researched to know what the Gen Zers are doing in in terms of policy mm. elsewhere. But they are um, really. They are organized. They're making their voices heard, and things like you know environmental rights and worker rights mm. and human rights um, are. You know top of mind and i and i do feel like they're gonna work really hard to make mm-hmm. things happen
0: mm-hmm. wonderful and my last question to you barry and this is for the many many people who will listen to our conversation based on your own amazing journey um and and the fact that you teach entrepreneurship you're so uh, you talk about sustainability you done so many things in sustainability what would you say are three lessons that you would want our viewers and listeners to take away
1: if you have an idea that you believe in mm. find a place where you can execute it yeah if you're if you're in a i've i've always i've kind of always been a, a square peg in a round hole because mm. i never i didn't fit into the corporate world mm. um i fit into academia but i mm. didn't necessarily fit into a in a business school mm. um because of the things that I believe that businesses should be doing Mm. um so stick to your vision and Mm. find a place where you can execute it Mm. um uh, along the lines of that is is listen to your listen to your heart
2: Mm. if
1: something is telling you if you have a passion Mm. or you have something that um that that keeps presenting itself Mm. in your life like if you you know I was always a kind of a helper, you know, we Mm. say, find the helpers. I was always a helper. And Mm. so it's not, it's not a mistake or an accident that I ended up being a teacher. Mm. It just, I took a very circuitous circuitous route to get Mm. there. Mm. Um, So listen to your insides and, and, and be cognizant of what keeps pulling, you know, pulling you back. There's an academic concept called career anchors. And it's this Mm. idea that you're going to be pulled back into something that's more congruent Mm. um, with who you are, you know, and you're going to find an environment that fits you. Mm. um, And so to be cognizant of that. And um, the third one, the third lesson um, I would say is, you know, listen, listen to people who are, who know more than you do. Mm. You don't have to agree with them, Mm. but people are experts, there are a lot of people who are experts in a lot of different things.
2: Mm.
0: And
1: listen, you need to listen to them, you need to hear them. And you need to think critically about what they're, what mm. they're saying.
0: Mm. Well said. And on that note, and your three amazing lessons, stick to your vision, implement your idea that you believe in. Second, you said was listen to your heart. And the third one you said, listen to people who know more than you. Thank you, uh, Dr. Ritsky for speaking to me about your journey. Uh, about social entrepreneurship and entrepreneurship in general. Thank you for speaking to me about sustainability. And I think I've learned some very, very new new things from you today. Thank you again, and good luck to you.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation. This was a lot of fun. And I really believe in what you're doing. So thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You, videocast and podcast